everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we turn our all-seeing eye to the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. Now, hold on a second. How do I know you're Andrew? Tell me something only the real Andrew would know. For example, what's the name of the character played by Jason Momoa in the DC Universe? <laughs> Come on, Mick. Everyone knows that that is beloved DC superhero Aquaman. Roll! Roll imposter! Oh, Andrew no. never pronounces it like that. <laughs> Damn it, my cover's blown. I knew something like that was going to happen. But no, it's okay. It's it's your favourite Earth podcast presented by two regular human hosts. Wink, wink. Sorry, how are you, Mick? I'm not too bad, not too bad. Um, I, uh, I've been fi- piling my way through all, what was it? 28 minutes of today's subject matter and and, uh, and then lifting myself up with season two of Good Omens. Oh, I, I need to get to that. I'm still in a in a funk from... Well, shall, shall we just say, today we're covering Secret Invasion, the 2023 Disney Plus series, if, if you can call it a series, created by Carl Bradstreet, with all episodes directed by Ali Salim, uh, presumably just, you know, in half an afternoon. Just while he was on a break from whatever else he was filming. <laughs> and based on the comic series by Brian Michael Bendis and Lionel Francis Yu. Is it though? Is it based on that? <laughs> it's It's got the same name as that series does. I, I, I feel it would take longer to read that comic series than it would to watch this. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, so I, I guess, I mean, that does kind of take us into the background of things. Uh, have you read any of Secret Invasion? I got a bit lost with the secret stuff. I seem to remember when I started getting back into comics in the mid-90s, the first time round. There seemed to be a lot of secret stuff going on. Yeah. There were secret wars, secret origins, secret squirrels. Um, oh, no, that was a different medium. But, yeah, there was seemed to be a lot of secret stuff going on, so I can't remember whether I actually read Secret Invasion or not. Yeah, I think, basically, secret is to Marvel as Crisis is to DC. Right. If they want to make a real, if they want to make it really sell, they'll put secret in the front of it. Yeah, exactly. So you end up with like secret wars, secret war, secret wars, but not the first one. A different secret wars, secret empire, secret invasion. Right. Secret Se- secrets. Yeah. Secret midnight biscuits. Probably some <laughs> others. <laughs> But yeah, Secret Invasion was a, a crossover comic, so like one of their big event things from 2008. Uh, basically, it's 
it's it's kind of a similar setup to the the series where it's like the scrolls they've been kind of impersonating heroes on earth for kind of a while then one day galactus eats their home planet so they decide to just do like a, a full invasion of earth right it is mostly fine i think from what i remember okay i think it's one of those ones where it came out when marvel was especially fond of doing the just you know one event finishes the next one starts that finishes the next one starts yeah so it just kind of felt very much like oh it's another thing it's another thing where i have to buy all the superhero comics that i don't normally read yeah although i will say like the one noticeable thing about secret invasion is it had a lot of really good tie-ins yeah like you had a black panther one called see wakanda and die nice yeah, which is about it. It's just like Black Panther leading the Wakandan army against a group of scrolls. Uh, you've got a really cool one that I liked where Hercules has like his own suicide squad made up of like different gods and they go to beat up the scroll gods. Right. Uh, you had like a cool Thor one. Uh, you also had like one of my, like the spin off that started one of my favourite series, Captain Britain and MI 13. Right. Okay. So yeah, basically everything apart from the main Secret Invasion series. A lot of fun. Right, okay. Cool. Yeah. And I take it you're at least familiar like with the scrolls, because they do tend to show up in Marvel stuff a lot. Yes, I'm I'm familiar with the scrolls and the they've got history with the Kree and Just Marvel aliens appear to always have to have a K in them. They do like a K in their aliens. Hmm. Not the Shi'ar, oh. though, but to be fair, Marvel didn't have the rights for those for a while. <laughs> but so the, the the basic premise is that a group of shape-shifting aliens have insinuated themselves into the world and it starts off with them being the friendly group of homeless refugees that Nick's helping to rehome and some of them have got a bit antsy uh, well actually in the comics that's kind of one of the big differences from the MCU is that the scrolls have pretty much just been flat out kind of baddies from day one right Incidentally, do you know that Day One was literally issue two of Fantastic Four in 1962? Was it really? Yeah, so they've been around for a long time. In fact, that issue is famous because the Fantastic Four beat the Scrolls by tricking them into turning into cows and then, like, wiping their minds. I'm surprised the RSPCA didn't get on to them about that. Probably should have. Yeah. I mean, if they were capable of wiping their minds, why didn't they put do? Why bother making them changing the cows? <laughs> why not just wipe their minds? Because their minds, quintessentially, wouldn't have changed. Uh, because this was the sixties when Reed Richards was basically a psychopath. Right. Okay. Anyway, all that has actually very little to do with the Secret Invasion TV series. Which we've already exceeded the runtime of. We have indeed. And we were worried this episode was going to run short. 
Because <laughs> I think, boy, this is this has been a nice change for the synopsis of just having something easy and straightforward to describe. Right, go on then. God, especially after we did Flash last time. Yes. No more multiversal spaghetti. Well, not until the next one, anyway. Yeah, God. But we've got a release date for Loki Season 2 now. <laughs> I know, we do. Just We've had this nice brief lull in multiverse shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, Secret Invasion. Uh, spoilers ahead, but... Is, is it really that much spoilers? Well, you know, is there, that, is there enough to spoil? Indeed. So, the human race is under threat from a sinister force determined to emulate and eventually replace us. Then the AI-generated credits end and the show starts. Hey! So, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, is called out of semi-retirement in space by the Skrull leader Talos by Ben Mendelsohn, who has intel on a terrorist attack by a rogue group of scrolls led by Fury's former protege, Gravik, Kingsley Benadir, and including Talos' daughter, Gaia, Amelia Clark. So, along with everyone's sixth... Actually, you know what? I'm going to update that. Along with everyone's eighth favourite Marvel spy lady, Maria Hill, Toby <laughs> Smolders, they travel to Russia, where a lot of this series is set, and I just put in brackets, oops. <laughs> uh, but they're unable to stop a series of bombs going off in Moscow. And during the chaos, Gravit kills Hill. Moving on as swiftly as the show does, Gaia contacts Talos and acts as a mole, helping the two piece together the scrolls' plan to kidnap and replace various key political figures in order to orchestrate a global war that will wipe out humanity allowing the Skrulls to claim Earth as their own home world. Uh, these agents include Colonel James Rhodes, played by Don Cheadle, also formerly War Machine, uh, who has Fury fired, and his wife Priscilla, uh, Charlene Woodard, who is taught to kill Fury, but doesn't. Uh, forging, an, uh, forging an uneasy alliance with British spy Sonia Falsworth, Olivia, Olivia Coleman, Fury and Talos are able to stop a nuclear attack and rescue the president of the USA, whose president is called President Ritson. I don't think we've ever seen like what his first name is. No. And he's played by John Mulroney. So they save him from a faked Russian assassination. However, in the process, Talos is killed by Gravik. Uh, after the failed attacks, Gravik's rebels mutiny and he kills them. He then calls Fury and blackmails him into bringing him the Harvest, a DNA sample that will give him the powers of nearly every MCU hero. And can I just can I, can I just can I just correct your synopsis there? Yep. Tricks, tricks Fury into bringing him a MacGuffin that has hitherto not been mentioned. Yes, and also if I can correct <laughs> myself as well. When I say the DNA sample gives him the powers of nearly every MCU hero, what I mean is arms. <laughs> so, Fury delivers the harvest, but is actually Gaia in disguise. 
she also becomes Captain Every Power and kills Gravik. She's basically Captain Marvel. Amelia Clark hasn't undergone such a stunning transformation since she became the mother of dragons. And really is it in a lot of ways just the same transformation. (laughs) (laughs) So meanwhile, the real Fury and Sonya kill the scroll posing as Rhodey, who had been convincing Ritson to launch a nuclear strike on Russia. In the aftermath, Ritson passes a new law calling for the execution of any alien hiding on Earth. This leads to the murder of numerous scrolls and humans suspected of being scrolls. Uh, Gaia begins working with Sonya to keep the rest of the scrolls safe. And Fury reunites with his wife and they head off back to space together. And now, if you haven't seen the series, you might be wondering why I chose to summarise what seems like kind of like the whole last half of it in just one paragraph. That's because that last bullet point happens all in the space of like five minutes in the final episode. It does. It's... I wouldn't... Get... Right, so Secret Invasion features, on average, the shortest runtime of any Marvel series. I think the longest episode is about 42 minutes. And the rest are all somewhere around the 36, 37 mark. Yeah. I I think maybe episode one is like closer to 50 minutes. Maybe. But a lot of them are like not even 40. But the first four drag a lot. Yep. The second two don't because they're blissfully short. And then the last two feel rushed. Or have I given it more episodes? Than I think you've given it more episodes. Than, I think it's, it's literally only six episodes. Right. In that case, that's how much the first four drag. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like there's another two in there. How you can make half an hour of Marvel television drag is beyond me, but they've managed it. Yeah. The only, the only real high point for me is Olivia Coleman's Sonya. Oh, she! It, it's a damn shame that she's like so good and she's wasted in this. Yeah, I hope she becomes like the new Coulson. The new, new Coulson, because Martin Freeman's Coulson replacement was pitiful. Yeah. Oh, he's also in this. He's, he's a scroll. Mm. But literally, who cares? Who cares about Agent Everett Ross? Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Um... I think I think it's fair to say that the Marvel special effects teams are fighting back against the draconian regime under which they work. What by just refusing to do anything? Yes. Um, for for all he's blessed with all the um, all the various superpowers, he seems to, Gravik seems to favour Groot's arm. Yeah, he uses that one a lot. <laughs> Yeah, because I think <coughs> at the start of the series, he's got Groot's arm. He's got the powers of Cull Obsidian. You remember Cull Obsidian, don't you, Mick? Everyone's favourite character, Cull Obsidian. Cull Obsidian? Yeah. What's that? He is the guy who worked for Thanos, who was like a big rock man. Oh, I assumed the rocky bits were Korg. Because Korg gets name-checked in the list of DNA samples. 
Yeah, he's he's one of the different Rocky bits in the last episode. But before he's like Rocky Two. Yes, he's Rocky Two. He's that. That's why at the end he beats Apollo Creed because he's Rocky (laughs) Two. And then he also, before he gets the harvest, has extremist powers. Which I I literally did not know that until I looked up like what powers he had in this, right? Because I think the thing that kind of the show sort of tries to do but doesn't very well is so the idea of the scrolls having superpowers that comes from the character Super Scroll. And in Secret Invasion, there was a bunch of Super Scrolls who all had like various different powers from different Earth yeah. heroes. But the original Super Scroll was a Fantastic Four villain. And the idea is he had like all the powers of the Fantastic Four just like in one. So that's why the idea is that like Gravik in this, he's got Groot's arm because that's like Mr. Fantastic stretching. He's yeah. got, you know, and then the, the rock is like the thing. Exactly. Yeah. And then Extremis. I guess is kind of like the human torch, but then he, I don't think he ever actually does like the flame breath, does he? No. Well, the, oh, the, the thing with this is we've mentioned before that phase four and five didn't seem very clearly defined, but this one seems to be like bridging all the phases. It's still referencing the Infinity Saga. It's still referencing the Snap. The Snap gets mentioned about once per episode, I think. Um, It's still referencing elements of Phase 4. And then seems to be starting off a new phase of its own whilst not actually sitting comfortably in any of the phases. Yeah, I think, from what I remember, this was supposed to come out earlier, but then it got delayed. Like, I know it's had... Marvel like, show, quite, delayed. I know, shocking to hear. But yeah, I think it had a lot of reshoots as well, and just the end result is, it's just nothing, is it? Isn't it's, it? It, it? It's one of those... I think probably of the slate of TV shows that were coming out, it's the one that I thought, oh, excellent, Nick Fury's back. This will be good. And like you said with Olivia Coleman, she's so good as Sonya. And then you've got um, Nick Fury himself as... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Samuel L. Jackson himself as Nick Fury. But he seems to be phoning it in. Yeah, it's just this weird... Even Ben Mendelsohn seems to be phoning it in as oh, Talos. Ben Mendelsohn seems so bored in this. It does. It's, it's, it's like, ah, oh, nah, Fury, it's, it's the scrolls. They're all there. They're doing something bad. I is know. it my line now? <laughs> Can I please just die now? Okay, great. Thanks. Ah, <laughs> uh, suppose we'd better go to war then. <laughs> Yeah, and then Samuel Chase just like this weird old man bumbling about for the whole series. Yeah, uh, and, and I think it, the only it's real like bit Inspector of... Clouseau versus the Scrolls. 
<laughs> the only real the only real character development that happens is we find out that hey Nick Fury don't get it right every time yeah I guess there's that I think the also one of the big problems for me with this is I think Nick Fury does also get some more character development but that character development is that actually he's quite a bad guy yeah because like literally the backstory of this is at the end of Captain Marvel he told the scrolls don't worry I'm going to do everything in my power to help you find a new planet then we learn in this he was like oh by the way while I'm doing that do you mind also just being like you know my secret assassin spy hit squad yeah doing very illegal missions for me and then he just kind of didn't bother with the whole finding a planet thing yeah and i think i think that's where olivia coleman's character shines because she she makes no bones about who she is or what she's doing and effectively you get end up with the same alliance at the end it's just that everybody knows where they stand Yeah, and also apparently all the bad things Nick Fury did, eh, they're, they're fine. Yes, no one's accountable for that. Yeah, luckily we've got the good old Marvel trope of, you know, the villains call Fury out on this, and maybe they have a point, but they also really love doing murders, so it's fine. Yeah. Is this effectively, is that final scene effectively, apart from the wife going with him, effectively that bit where Nick Fury becomes the new Watcher. Was it Original Sin? Yeah, I don't know, because I think I mean, he's just like bumming about in a space station, isn't he? Well, isn't that what he does basically at the end of Original Sin? Yeah, but now at least he's got like weird god powers. Yeah, true. Mind you, we don't know what's going to happen in What If Season 2 yet. That might be the original sin might be the storyline for uh, What If 2. Yeah, what if they can't get Jeffrey Wright back? <laughs> so. Yeah. I guess. Um, I, mean, I guess going back to what you just said about you know, by the end of the series, everyone knows where they stand. Yeah. I think that's another big problem I had with this. Is there didn't seem to be that much, like, sort of paranoid invasion of the body snatchers type stuff. No. Like, you very it... early on know these characters are all scrolls, these characters are all not scrolls. And there's not a lot of... Yeah, like, there's, there's not even a scene where Nick Fury goes to Sonya... I don't know if I can trust you, you might be a scroll. And then Sonny's like, well, can I trust you? You might be a scroll." Yeah, but all the paranoia seems to be contained within the cast of main characters. There's no, like, there's there's news bulletins about the bombings in Moscow. And there's the, sh they use the shot of um, Gravik pretending to be Nick Fury shooting Maria Hill to stir up a bit of trouble. But that's it. Until that final episode where they start having um, vigilante justice against Skrulls and 
humans who might be scrolls. There's no real paranoia in the general populace, except in the bits where those attacks are happening. Yeah, which is bad because that seems so much like th this is the plot. This is the plot we should have had for like six episodes. <laughs> the general population should be going, there's something happening and we have no clue what it is. What the hell are people doing? There was no stakes raising, really. The MacGuffin of the, the Harvest, as I mentioned before, didn't turn up until the fifth episode. You know, at least, you know, Marvel have never been shy of having a MacGuffin to resolve the plot. You know, even going going right back to the beginning in the Tesseract. But it's always, the Tesseract was always there. It was there in the setup at the beginning. And its role going forward was characterised. This harvest wasn't even mentioned until episode five. And we kind of got a rushed explanation as to what it actually was. And basically, it was just a posh version of what Gravik was already using anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Like, you've already got a character who has a bunch of different characters' powers. And then, you know, the big stakes-raising thing is, yes, but what if he had more powers? You know what this is, don't you? This is Marvel's um, riposte to uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. They've taken, they've taken their... Uh... Oh, what's his name? Do you mean Steppenwolf? Steppenwolf. Yeah. Yeah. They've taken Steppenwolf. They've taken their version of Steppenwolf and made him shinier and sharper and spikier. That's what they've done in episode five and six. God, basically. <laughs> you can edit out that bit where I couldn't remember Steppenwolf's name. That's how fondly I remember Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. If anything, I'm going to add in like an extra 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> the thought process that got me there was, oh, it begins with S. It's the same as the people who sang Born to be Wild. Steppenwolf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's literally the one memorable thing about that character is he's <laughs> named after a band. So, um... But yeah. Also, yeah. do you know what the problem with the harvest is? Like... It sounds really dramatic, the whole, oh no, you have the powers of all the Marvel characters. But if you break it down, like, sure, you've got the DNA of, like, all of them, but a bunch of them, first of all, don't have powers. So you've got, like, you know, Hawkeye. Black got, Widow. Yeah, exactly. Hawkeye and Black Widow, who just don't have powers. You've got, like... Iron Man and War Machine and Ant-Man and the Wasp who just have special suits. Yeah. But genetically, they're just normal humans. You've got, like, Doctor Strange, who I, I don't think having his DNA means you can do magic. Because I think you would also have to learn how to do magic. Yeah. So if you think, just think about the characters, like, who actually genetically have superpowers... A lot of it's like... Even Captain America's aren't genetic, are they? I mean, I, I guess because his genes were altered by the super soldier serum, if you had his DNA, you would have that. 
But even then, sure, you've got Captain America, you've got the Winter Soldier, you've got sort of like Black Panther, Drax, Gamora, probably even like, you know, Korg, Thanos, his guys. They're all good at punching. But then you also have the Hulk and Thor. So why do you need any of the others? Yeah. Like, literally, you need Hulk DNA and Captain Marvel DNA. And that's it. Yeah. So really, everyone else is just there so you can have different arms. Yeah. But Groot's my favourite arm. What he should have done, what he should have, he didn't think it through. He could have had Groot on that arm, flirking on that arm. Yeah, if he has, and then he'd basically be Cthulhu. Okay, but if he has the flirking on his arm, though, does that turn into tentacles, or does that just turn into a cat paw? Wouldn't it be great if it was both? Yes. So when <laughs> when you were at ease, when you, when you weren't in a combat situation, it was just a cat paw. I mean, I just think... like balls on string and stuff. And then when someone attacked you, it just turned into the... I mean, even the other way around, I would have loved to pick if, like, Gaia and Gravik are grappling and, like, he's getting the upper hand and then just one of her arms turns into a cat punch and just, like, scratches him. <laughs> but no, that would involve doing something interesting with the powers rather than just... Hey, yeah. what if there were two people with exactly the same powers just smashing into each other? What a, what a great novel idea for a Marvel thing. Yes, it wouldn't at all be like She-Hulk fighting Abomination. Or like Black Panther fighting Killmonger. Or Ant-Man fighting Yellow Jackets. Captain America and Bucky. Iron Man and Ironmonger. Iron Man and Whiplash. <laughs> literally it's every MCU thing is just hero hero but in a different colour smashy smashy until one of them just arbitrarily wins (laughs) usually the good one yeah because it's not even like unless there's a part two yeah (laughs) because even with this like it's not even like Gaia did anything that clever with the powers like there was a little bit where she used the mantis go to sleep thing but then, in the end, she just fires a laser blast through him. The cleverest part of that whole thing was her pretending to be Fury ill. Yeah, like pretending that she's got radiation sickness. Yeah. That was the cleverest thing she did. It was, except also that drew my attention to the fact that they're in a very radioactive place. So... How come all the humans that the scrolls have kept captive haven't like died of radiation poisoning? Because comics. Fair enough. Yeah, sorry, I forgot that they were in the special radiation-proof basement. <laughs> well, possibly, certainly, those tanks that they were stored in may have been radiation-proof. Yeah, maybe that. Let's just say that's it. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder where the scrolls were enough... the tanks. We, we we can't come up with another reason because there weren't enough episodes or runtime to introduce another MacGuffin. Yeah, that's very true. But you I'm could just... probably watch this entire series in less 
than the runtime of a standard Marvel movie. Actually, you could probably watch most of this series in the time it takes to watch the credits on a standard Marvel movie. Pretty much. But yeah, it's just... Oh, Joe, we also need to talk about what? the fact that Nick Fury has a special compartment in his like hidden gravesite secret base just for his eye patch. Yeah. Which got that that bit annoyed me as well, because it's just the whole it's oh, it's the last episode, so the hero's gotta put on his special superhero suit. Except it's Nick Fury, so it's just like a coat and an eye patch. Yeah. It's just his normal clothes. <laughs> it's like it reminded me of I don't think you've not seen the, the Star Wars film Solo have you no but yeah there's like that entire film is just taking every single thing about Han Solo and making it like significant like his jacket isn't just a random jacket it's like it's a special jacket that he got doing a thing his blaster is not just like the gun he uses, it was a present from his mentor. Right. I just Hold on. That makes him Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Yes, it does. Because Luke Skywalker's lightsaber was a present from his mentor. But yeah, it's, just, it's that same thing of making everything significant when it really isn't. Mm. Like... Nick Fury doesn't wear an eye patch because that's a superhero costume. He just wears it to cover his manky eye. Yeah. And also, wouldn't he feel the need to wear it the rest of the time anyway? Yeah. People who cover eye injuries with eye patches wear them all the time, except possibly when they're asleep. Yeah, like there's no in-universe explanation why he stopped wearing his eye patch, apart from the fact that they're trying to do a whole like, oh, it's you know he's he's lost his Nick Fury mojo and this is him getting it back. Mm. But again, yeah. it's just it's just so arbitrary. Yeah. Like everything in this show. It's like we've got a streaming channel to fill with content. Yeah, exactly. This show feels so much like them just saying, right, we're going to make the secret invasion show and it's going to be six episodes long because that's the gap we need to fill in the schedule. Yeah. Um, Thank you for filming secret invasion for us. Oh, it's the least I could do. Yes, we noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Very much. Because... Again, with this like not being set up in any way, there's just no real like any of the characters who it turns out were scrolls. There's no real like going back and going, oh no, like so in this bit when they were saying that thing, they were actually a scroll the whole time. Yeah, you know, you mentioned who cares about Everett Ross. So does this mean that the guy who was in Wakanda was a scroll or? The real Everett Ross. I think the answer to that is, who cares? Exactly. Um, and if it, well, if it was the scroll, why did he act the way that he did? Surely he'd have been helping Ulysses Claw 
because that would destabilize things, which would play into the. I, I don't think there was enough time to set up that whole rebellion scroll thing. You know, at the we had we had the promise at the end of Captain Marvel, and we've had nothing about the scrolls since. We need we needed something in between. Yeah, and it's not because you kind of could have had that because you have things like Spider-Man: Far From Home. Well, you know, you've got the end credits scene where Nick Fury and Maria Hill turns out they're actually Talos and Sorin was his wife's name. She's dead now, it didn't matter. But it's like you could have used that to, you know, set the seeds for secret invasion. Is it just going, yeah. hey look, here's some scrolls. Do you remember if the scrolls exist? Okay, great. Yeah. And you know, things could have been thrown into things like She Hulk and stuff like that. Um, yeah but... again or if because the idea I had just in the shower was they could have made this as a sequel to Falcon and the Winter Soldier like kind of yes because they had that whole thing going on with the powers and the control yeah. of the, the, the little files of serum and stuff like that and literally the whole thing with that was there was a big twist that, you know, Sharon Carter, seemingly up to then just a nice goody goody two shoes, was actually a baddie. So that lends itself very nicely to going, because actually she's a scroll. Yes. Which would which would explain more adequately why she turned her back on everything that Peggy believed in. Yeah. And just from like a marketing perspective can you imagine how cool it would have been if like we had a show and it was just called, you know, Nick Fury or something as mm. marketed as it's the sequel to Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. You know, Nick Fury has got to come back and help stop the power broker because she's going to do all of evil machinations. And then in the last episode, like in the last scene of the first episode, he like shoots one of the power broker's minions and then they turn into a scroll. It's like, what? Yeah. And that's when you go, ah, surprise, it's Secret Invasion. Because again, that sets up the whole thing of, ooh, anyone could be a scroll. What's going on? You don't know. Yeah. And that that's the thing. You mentioned it earlier, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the whole alien conspiracy thing in X-Files. There was always that element of this new character that's turned up that's getting close to Mulder and Scully. Are they real or are they hybrid? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Secret Invasion, the comic book series, had the tagline that was literally, who do you trust? Yeah. Because that's the whole point. Because you're fighting a race of aliens who could be anyone. That's why it's interesting. Where a Secret Invasion very clearly set up who was on whose side. Yeah. Because although there were a race of changing aliens, Gravik was very always Gravik. Yeah, like I think the one exception you had to that is the bit in, at the end of episode one where like it turns out that all the people who'd been like given Fury dodgy looks throughout the episode, they were just graphic in disguise. Mm. But that's like the extent of it. Yeah, it's like... 
Because even, like, even Rhodey being a scroll isn't a huge twist. Because even before it was revealed, like, he's already working against Fury. Yeah. So, like, it's not a big shock that and, the guy being a mean jerk to him is one of the villains. And this is the thing. If if Rhodey, if a non-scroll Rhodey had been sent to fire Fury, he might still have been a jerk, but he'd have been less of a jerk about it. So it already, you know, listen, Fury, I'm just following orders, but I'm the man that they've sent. They've sent me because, you know, you know me, I can reason with you. That's the Rhodey that you would have got. Not the vindictive Rhodey that turned up and seemed to really enjoy firing Nick Fury. Yeah, like literally from scene one, he's just so obviously evil. <laughs> Such a bad guy. Yeah, I will say though, it was quite fun watching Don Cheadle just like be ridiculously hammy. <laughs> he seems like a guy who enjoys being evil. Well, have we got anything else interesting to say about this? We've probably said more interesting things about it than happened in the show. We have indeed. I think the only thing left on my mind is what's probably going to be on my mind for years to come. Is just how bad Amelia Clark's like baby Drax arm looks. Because <laughs> I really think they should have like bulked it up or something rather than making it in proportion to tiny Amelia Clark. <laughs> Because she just looks like a toddler. It looks like Granite could literally just like get his hand, just like put it on her head, and just like hold her out at arms. Then was just like first by going like, yeah! which would be even funnier if he's using his Groot arm because he could just keep pushing her further and further away. Yeah. <laughs> Again, would have been a more interesting final fight. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> Still, what right? What's next in the Marvel universe? Uh, I think Loki season two is the next thing. Is that before the Marvels? Uh, oh, good point. Let's do a quick bit of googling. The Marvels is. 2023. Great, that's very helpful, Google. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 10th of November. Oh, it is slightly before the Marvels then. It's October the 3rd for Loki 2. Okay, I thought so. But then I remembered the trailer for the Marvels coming out before the trailer for Loki. Yes. Which And, and Agatha Coven of Witches, House of Harkness, WandaVision 2. Do, 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 do. Is um, due sometime in the, between now and the 23rd century. Yeah, I think it's due sometime in the definitely happening times, wink. Yes. Sounds like a set of football results now, though, doesn't it? WandaVision, WandaVision 2. I just can't, can you imagine getting relegated down to one division two? <laughs> Iron Man three, one division two. 
I liked Iron Man 3. That was, that was a good thing with Extremis in it. This also had Extremis in it. <laughs> do, do you think it was a good thing, Mick? Where do you think it should go on our ranking list? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? This is the acid test. We've now gone on longer than most of the episodes of uh, Secret Invasion. It must be time to rank. Certainly. So, just to put it in perspective then for everyone, our list of TV shows goes from The Sandman at number one all the way down to Inhumans at 32. And I mean, God, this this is closer to Inhumans than I would have thought possible. <laughs> yeah. What's, what, what have we got wallowing down at the bottom with, with the Inhumans? Okay, I think... Starting from kind of like the positions of shame. At number 27, we've got Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number 28, Lock and Key Season 1. Number 29, Titans Season 1. Number 30, Birds of Prey, the 2002 series. Uh, 31, Titans Season 2. 32, Inhumans. I definitely, apart from the Inhumans, I enjoyed all of them more than season one of, uh, more than Secret Invasion. And even with Lock and Key, I was looking forward to a season two. And at least high in season two, I mean, it tried. Yes. It even had a season three. It even had something else that Secret Invasion didn't have. At the end of season three, it had a satisfying conclusion. Wow, can you imagine such a thing? I know, right? I, I mean, I don't know. I think... And it's it... like... that Whenever we're stuck on these rankings, the thing I always ask is, which of these would I be most likely to watch again? Um, and it wouldn't be Secret Invasion. That's true, but I feel like Secret Invasion, it at least has people doing good acting in it. But, right, so, I, I won't ever watch Secret Invasion again. Right, because I don't need to. There's not enough meat on it for me to go. Oh, what happened in that? Right. I've already watched Inhumans more times than I would watch Secret Invasion. Granted, only because we did it for a podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> but the Birds of Prey, even though it's low budget garbage and it's it's it's. It's sort of action TV of the time. You know, it's got the same it's got the same level of production values as something like Dark Angel. It's just not got James Cameron behind it to squeeze a bit more of the budget. Oh yeah. To be clear, like what I'm trying to decide is does Secret Invasion go just above Inhumans or just below Inhumans? It goes just above because the acting's better. Yeah, there we go. It's because he's acting. I mean, it exactly. gets bonus points for having Olivia Coleman in. Yeah, exactly. That's my main thought, is I cannot countenance putting something with Olivia Coleman in at the bottom of our list. No. 
And actually, if you took all the bits of Secret Evasion now and just left the Olivia Coleman bits in, it will probably be higher up the list anyway. Yes, yes, it would. I wouldn't more like very murdery Mary Poppins, just like shooting squirrels in the leg. <laughs> Which again, I can't believe in a show about a guy who used to run S.H.I.E.L.D., an organization that had like flying cars and hologram masks and life model decoys. Oh, Lola. The best solution they could find for like telling if someone is a squirrel or not is to just shoot them. <laughs> it's expedient, isn't it? It is, but I can't believe there's not like a, a doodad <laughs> that tracks <laughs> the levels of squirreliness. There's a entire shield there's entire shield office blocks that are filled with people just limping around because people thought they might be scrolls <laughs> but they weren't <laughs> do you think this so is why the helicarriers crash all the time because the people <laughs> find them keep getting shot just in case they're scrolls <laughs> their legs their injured legs keep going to sleep when they're on the right the accelerator <laughs> <laughs> Just can't move it over to the break in time. I, I think the helicarriers are probably designed by the same people who designed the um, Death Star. There's always the same design flaw in each one. You know, for a second there, I thought you were going to say the Reliant Robin. <laughs> yes, very similar propulsion systems. Your Reliant Robin in your helicarrier. I mean, they're not that dissimilar. <laughs> Anyway, Secret Invasion, that's going in as our new number 32. Only Olivia Coleman saved it from further ignominy. Yeah, God, never has such a large bird invested on the shoulders of one person. I know. Well, except that time they asked Robert Downey Jr. to launch the entire MCU. I know, but even then, you know, eventually he could just, like, remove himself from under it and let it stand on its own feet. <laughs> Until Phase 5 came along. Boy, yeah, they're trying to... Why didn't they do something like that? Why didn't they have, like, a thing where Tony Stark comes back and then it turns out he's a scroll? You see, all these ideas are better than what we got. Yeah, literally this entire show, we've gone over the runtime of Secret Invasion just describing ways that Secret Invasion could have been better. Indeed. So, I suppose it's time for you to do the selly stuff. It is indeed. So, that's about it. Show, show your podcasting acumen. Um, actually, I think I found it's pronounced Aqu Aquamin. <laughs> Surprise, it was the real me all along. <laughs> so, I can't, I can't stop laughing now. I think Secret Innovation's broken my brain. <laughs> so that's about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find all episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. A bit I should really cut out because I've not logged into that for like a year now, maybe? Maybe more? Twitter's a bad website anyway. Don't go on Twitter, folks. Are you going to have an X handle or a thread handle? Oh, no. God, we're going to have to find new social medias. Or resurrect old ones. Yes, if you want to get in touch on MySpace account, yes. <laughs> you can find us on Podcast Reunited. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know, just stand outside your window and scream our name and we'll probably appear at some point. If you are a fan, <laughs> we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review or on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow the show and reach you listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mick. So long and thanks for listening. 